change up my highs every time now that's wonderful hi the other I think voice I, last time i was like hello yes i love it right, the other voice that's okay. laughing is nikisha hi <laughs> <laughs> and this is a talking horror with jamie and nikisha who's laughing at me <laughs> yes. i'm sorry it was so great we are here to share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Well, welcome everyone. We are off to a fantastical start. Hi, hi, hi. Hello. Hi, hi. Hello. <laughs> that just reminds me of Mrs. Doubtfire when Always. she's <laughs> in Always. the face. Hello. Yeah. With the cream pie it's in so her wonderful. face or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 110%. And 10%. And that other male voice that's talking, if you don't already know, now you know is producer Brian. So he's in the mix Hello. as well. <laughs> what a... Mrs. Doubtfire is like at its core a problematic movie that that <sighs> that comes off as just so delightfully charming. Wait, yes. can I have just one sentence of how it's problematic? I mean, I, I know, but I just want to hear He's it He's a you. terrible father. He would never <laughs> be able to see his children ever again after that stunt he pulled. Yes. And we find Even it before. charming. Even before. What about the the pet the petting zoo party? Yeah, like totally. Oh, yeah. Like that, that part He's played by anyone other than Robin Williams is very difficult to watch. But it's That's so why Flubber time. works. That's- I'm coming back with the Flubber example. <laughs> yeah. Flubber. Because now there's a theme of like Robin Williams and these very charming, like he's very charming. Yes. But he's playing characters that are deeply flawed that like should not be given the chances that they are given. Totally. Ever. I agree. Okay. I think like, adulting. Now. now yes. Well, adulting is realizing that. Something, and the you know? women in those <laughs> yes. movies come off as like nagging, like, oh, get over. Yeah. But they're, yes. they, they are the bad they're, guys. They're the, but they're the true heroes of those stories in some ways. A hundred percent. All right. New podcast idea. <laughs> We're we're revisiting all of these uh, films. Yes. Uh, and we need to think of a catchy title. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the flubber experiment. <laughs> <laughs> That's our next podcast, guys. Uh, tune in to 2025, <laughs> the Flubber Experience, the Flubber experience. <laughs> with the trifecta that is producer Brian, Jamie, and Nikisha. Oh we got it. <laughs> Let us know if you want it. But today, we're here for horror, all the horror, and so we are talking about the 2010 psychological horror film, Black Swan. you have any idea what time it is? Mm-hmm. L.A.? Where have you been? To the moon and back. You've been drinking. Ding, 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 ding. What else? Mm-hmm. What else have you been doing? Oh, you want to know their names? <laughs> you need to sleep this no, off. There were two. There was Tom, there was Jay. Be quiet, Nina. And uh, I fucked them both. Shut your mouth! 
the dancing. I literally, I don't know why I couldn't think of it. The first thing that I thought of was, uh, what's the, the nutcracker? I was going to say Sugar Plum Fairy. (laughs) I was like, why couldn't I think of a single part from Black Swan? Oh, do, 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 do. Yes, exactly. Okay, there we go. I absolutely was about <laughs> I to got say dance. Eventually. Oh no, but it's both Tchaikovsky. <laughs> so like that's that's a bridge. It's both right. the same uh composer. Okay. But All I right. absolutely was about to say <laughs> dance of the sugar plum fairy, and it's like that's not flexible. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Take my music you know degree. Away. I I ha- I have no musical theater experience. Do not come for me. <laughs> people right. come people for me in my degree. I should know better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit it. <laughs> All right, so Black Swan was directed by Adarin uh, Aronofsky, and it stars a one Natalie Portman, uh, Vincent Castle. I'm going to say Castle because our director is called Vassal, but it's not. Oh, really? Yes. So I thought it would be Castle because it's spelled the same except with a V, but maybe not. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it? I'm not actually sure. I think it's Vincent Cassell. Okay, I'm going to go with Cassell then. That sounds yeah. right to me. Okay, Vincent Cassell, um, Mila Kunis, hey girl, um, Barbara Hershey, and oh, hey, 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 our favorite scream queen, Winona Ryder. What's up? Also, let's not- this is such a good let's, cast. Let's, let's also give props to Barbara Hershey as- uh, Yeah, mom. Mom Mom and Insidious. Insidious. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Duh. I was like, where do mm-hmm. I know her face from and her, her scary mom. demeanor? Yeah, she's horror Insidious. mom. now we have to add horror moms to our as a category right with Mm. um what's her name from hereditary wow why can i not think of her iconic tony collette Collette. thank you oh yeah she's a good horror mom like best horror moms that's good oh man the wheels are turning horror (laughs) horror moms because horror horror moms moms. would be a totally different (laughs) list (laughs) Very true. Totally different list. But yes, Barbara Good Hershey, we, we love you. We stand uh, for you as well. Um, so it's just a pretty <laughs> stacked cast of people. I um, yeah. truly forgot that Winona was in this movie. Me too. Until this this rewatch. So I'm excited to get it into It's a great that. reveal. A great mm-hmm. reveal. Uh, mm-hmm. So heavy spoilers for Black Swan. It is uh, currently streaming on Hulu and Netflix. So, but I think it's going to leave Netflix soon. So catch it while oh, you can. Oh, it was on Hulu. Yeah, it's on Hulu. Oh, I didn't realize oh. that. We we watched. Yes. It on, not that that matters where we watch it, but um, right, right, yeah, right. I didn't know. But it's on Hulu, so if you uh, can't catch it on Netflix, catch it on the on the Hulus. Heavy spoilers for that. And Jamie, please list us those trigger warnings. Yeah, this movie is about dance. So if that, spirit I'm fingers. starting there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, spirit fingers really? and all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's another movie that like takes place like examining the lives of people who are dancers and like everything that comes with that. So like, you know, if you're familiar with that world and that culture and that is upsetting to you for any reason, it definitely like digs deep into all of that for sure um, to start with. Uh, there is also some uh, sexual assault, some references to suicide, uh, a lot of hallucinations, drug use, um, some sexual se- other sexual scenes that seem consenting. Um, there is eating uh, disorders. Yeah, eating disorders, Ooh, yeah. stabbing. 
um, leg injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, Scary poultry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I didn't like that one. Um, Listen, I'm just, you know. I guess. uh, Overbearing mothers. Mm. Yeah. Um, A smother, if you will. Smothers. Yes, I love that. That's a good one. That is a great one. Did Uh, you do, um, because there was what, like drugs in the, or I guess you consented to it, but yeah. But still drugs. No, but yeah, drug use. Um, Yeah. Is that everything? I think so. I think we covered it all. Also, like there is body horror in this. Like the the Mm -hmm. toesies and the fingies. (laughs) The toesies and the the fingies. Oh yeah. yeah, the kneesies. Cracking back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a good old Protect time. your joints. Like wear like knee pads and, and elbow pads when when you watch this film and gloves. Oh, and then the finger oh yeah. uh, whipping yeah. the skin away. Mm-hmm. This should be yeah, a psychological lot of, like, and body horror. Yeah. yeah. It really it really there it really is a lot of body horror in yeah. this. If you have like if you bite your nails, pick at your nails, but also like watch, like find watching that mm-hmm. detestable, like mm-hmm. this will really set you off. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, before we get into all of this, producer Brian, please give us all your words. Yes. Hello, friends. Uh, hi, YouTube. We're on YouTube. If you're listening on podcasts and you want to find us on YouTube, we're there too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you can find us wherever there is social media. Um, but we are most active on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter in that order. Um, so definitely find us there. We are reviewing other movies. We're watching trailers on there. We're doing lists and all that fun stuff. You'll see some fun clips from these episodes. Like horror there. moms, perhaps. Oh, horror moms. Wait, is horror. A good one. Yeah. Horror, horror mommers. <laughs> we should do definitely smotherers, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so check us out there. Um, cool beans. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, at Talk Horror Pod. That's where you find us. <laughs> at Talk Horror Pod. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. That's I, it. That would help. Fantastic. It's all in the description of this podcast episode. So check us out there. Love it. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, have you watched anything new? It, it feels like there's not been a lot of new releases that yeah. have come out? Yeah, but also, Nikisha, I'll be totally honest with you. I uh, Every year before we do the best of 2023, I burn myself out. Like, I'm watching mm. so many horror movies, one after another after another, that like yeah. at the beginning of the year, I try and decompress with other stuff. Whether For it's sure. TV shows, and, and plus, you're right, there's not a ton of horror coming out. Like, we saw Night Swim, which sucked. So, like, now we're just like, you know, the next Listen the next, to our full thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the next one is like Lisa Frankenstein. Um, uh, like, the next big one, I should say. Right. Um, right. But there's stuff I want to watch that's on, on you know, but I, I just haven't. Um, uh, however, I, I, I will say I did watch another uh, final season episode of The Walking Dead. So I'm chipping away okay. at the final season there, yeah. We love it. We love that you're still uh, invested in it. So. I am. I I don't know. I just like zombie stuff. Like what? You, like, and I'm at this point. I have to finish it out of obligation. Like, and then Absolutely. I'll watch. And then I'll watch the movie <laughs> this spring and summer, whenever it comes out. Yeah, mm. you're so close. So I'm, right. I can't so just close. like stop. I'm. I'm just. I'm exactly. like. I'm, I'm, I can see the end zone from here. Yes. 
And that's so true about Night Swim, too. It was kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, Coupled with watching so many for the end of the year, it's like, let me just give it a break. Like last year was like Megan, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm hyped. Like, what's next? Totally. Let's go. Yeah. That's totally. Yeah. The expectations set for the year. Yeah. And like this year, maybe less so. Yeah. (laughs) But also now is like Oscar catch up. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've got a lot of those to watch, but like, well, I'm not there just yet. Like, I, I'm, you know, yeah. And every once in a and I, we rewatch some stuff too. Um, okay. Like, just randomly. But, uh, and, and also a lot of shows that like RuPaul started up again. And, yeah. you know, we're now mm-hmm. into Survivor. Like, so there's a lot of that stuff kind of taking over our free time as well. Oh, and I started shrinking because so mm. many people asked me if I have any thoughts on it. And I find myself avoiding things that remind me of work. For sure. But I heard it was really good, so I finally started it. And it is really good so far. But I, obviously I have, you know, problems. <laughs> <laughs> what is that streaming one? <laughs> uh, Apple TV. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, since the Golden Globes and Emmys, I was already starting watching The Bear, but now I'm like, okay, I'm in season mm. two, so trying to get you know through that. Also because Jeremy Allen that was a good watch, just gorgeous to watch. So, oh man, have you seen that Kevin Klein <laughs> ad? Have I? <laughs> <laughs> That's another uh, podcast, okay? <laughs> oh my god. That's so Goodness. funny. So good. Okay, well then let's get into everything that is Black Swan. Uh, because yes. there is a lot to talk about, but we need a two-minute plot summary of this. What's the plot? <laughs> so Producer Brian is going to provide that gold for us. I will do this. That gold. That gold. All right, Brian. You have two minutes on the clock to describe Black Swan, which is only 108 minutes. So I feel really confident (laughs) in your ability to do this successfully. I I think so. Yeah. Great. (laughs) All right. Are you ready? Yes. Are you set? No, yeah, sure. Okay, go. Okay, so Nina Sayers, as played by Natalie Portman, is a young ballet dancer with the New York City Ballet, um, and she lives with her overprotective mother, played by Barbara Hershey. Um, they're doing Swan Lake, and the uh, the director, the leader, um, played by Vincent Cassell, um, he uh, basically pushes out the his muse, the older ballerina, which is played by Beth, played by Winona Ryder. Um, and Nina is very, as a perfectionist, she's like very anxious. Very, like this is her life dedicated to it. Very timid as well. Um, um, and she's going to be great at playing the white swan, but he doesn't believe she could play the black swan. Anyway, he like assaults her and kisses her and she bites his lip. Anyway, she ends up getting the black swan because he knows she has it in her. He's very manipulative. Um, she's working hard and harder and harder Um and there's another ballerina um, in the company played by Mila Kunis, um, who's like this like young, hip ballerina who they become like frenemies. They go out for a night on the town. They get drunk. She's loosening her up because the director put in her ear that like she's a black swan. So she's trying to figure out how to play that. Anyway, she starts to break from reality because of all the hard work that she's putting into this. Um, <clears throat> and she's essentially like turning herself from the white swan into the black swan. Uh, we don't know what is 
real, what is not real. Beth tries to kill herself. Um, uh, and she sees her legs kind of all messed up. Anyway, all of this happens. Um, there's a lot of meta stuff that's happening where like she imagines herself like intimate with the Mila Kunis character. And like, it's almost like the black swan overtaking the white swan. Anyway, at the end of the movie, she finally has the first performance. Um, and she kills Mila Kunis and she goes out there and does an amazing job as the black swan. But in the end, she actually had stabbed herself, and that brought out the black swan. And then we'll discuss if she dies or not at the end. And that's the plot. Fantastic. In that last yes. performance. And just, to, I also want to, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I also do want to say a couple things, a little fun facts before we begin. Ooh. Um, Obviously, Natalie Portman won the Oscar. She won the Oscar for this. I think this is our second horror actress, uh, uh, besides mm. Kathy Bates, who won Best Performance for a like for a horror movie, um, yeah. Oscar wise, like that we've covered. Um, yeah. mm. <coughs> she won for Misery. I forgot. She won for Misery in '91, uh, and mm. Natalie Portman won for this. Now. I believe that Natalie Portman should have two Oscars, one for this and one for Jackie. Um, but that Ooh. that's a whole nother conversation. That was the law. <laughs> Jackie was the La La Land year. Um, so anyway. Mm. Um, but I think that Natalie Portman's performance in Jackie is spectacular. That being said, also Vox Lux. Everyone watch Vox Lux. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> um, spoiler alert. That might Soundtrack be by Sia. My, yeah, it's amazing. That might be my <laughs> anyway, um, so that. However, Jamie and I were looking it up. Only six horror movies have been nominated for Best Picture in the in the history, history. of the Oscars. I only six, that. Only six pure horror movies. Like I'm yeah. sure you, there's some that you can make an argument for that have horror elements to it, um, but only six. We've covered three of them mm-hmm. now. I want to say The Exorcist. The Exorcist is the first one to ever be nominated. Then Jaws. Mm-hmm. We've never done a Jaws mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, skip from 1975 all the way to 1991, uh, 1990, 1991, which was um, Silence of the Lambs. That actually yeah. won. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <coughs> Silence of the Lambs. That's L- the only one that won. Correct. That's crazy. Ever. 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 Yeah. Wow. And there's an argument to be made that that is a police movie. That has horror elements. I disagree. I, I do too, but I, I could see the argument for that. I, okay. I think it's a horror movie, but like you could make the argument that it's like an FBI thriller, you know, CIA thriller. You know what I mean? With like He's horror He's eating elements. people, guys. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I totally agree. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so that's the three. Uh, then the next one is um, The Sixth Sense. Oh, no. Mm. We, we covered. covered The Sixth Sense. We, we did. Covered, yeah, yeah, we did. The yeah. Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. so uh, um, uh, Sixth Sense, then this one, Black Swan, and then mm-hmm. Get Out. Yeah. Those wow. are the only the Silence six. of the Lambs is the only one. Yeah. I mean, some of them, yeah. lots of actors and actresses have won for horror <laughs> movies, like yeah. um, mm-hmm. Supporting Actress in Rosemary's Baby. She won. It wasn't nominated, but she won. Mm-hmm. Um, screenplays, like, like Jordan Peele won Screenplay. For right. for get out and stuff out, like yeah. that, you know there there's plenty of stuff that like ha- you know that that happens, um like, but um yeah I th- I just think that's but the that's Oscars just don't 
like horror. Yeah. And it's like, it's so disappointing, especially when you get such excellent performances. Like look at Hereditary. Like look at Tony Collette's performance in Hereditary. That is an Oscar winning performance. It is. That that blows my mind that she does not have an Oscar for that. Right. Or Or even nominated. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it, it frustrates me how like biased media is against horror also, when it again does so well, it is so like commercially yeah. successful. And it's like, is that why you don't like it? Because it's like appealing to the masses and you feel like you're you're like better than the masses by picking only like comedies and drama, because that's like the history of Yeah, I you mean, know, I would argue that there are art. I would argue that comedies <clears throat> like I get the same I would even I would almost argue that comedies get a harder it's harder than drama than than horror because at least horror can be like le, like can be I don't want to use the e word but horror can be mm. prestige horror can be some more like more more something <laughs> like that but a comedy is a comedy like I won't boo you if you say it yeah yeah but like comedy the way that the Oscars look at movies yeah. They they would be more willing to nominate like an elevated horror movie. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yeah. Boo. Then they would then, then they would just like something something, you know, you know, there's they, it's it's No, a, but I I a, I agree. Yeah. I yeah. like I just think that it's it's frustrating and like you know, whenever these like old white people get out and like usher in a new era of people, mm-hmm. like that is what the, I look forward to. Whatever that era is For in the sure. future, where like sure. more things, more diversity, like more equity. That's just not. We're just not. But even to your point of of comedy and horror, wasn't Get <clears throat> Out placed in the comedy section so that it would do better? As far as nominations or being nominated for things, like wasn't that a thing? Uh, Wait, say that again. That well, I guess it wouldn't have been submitted for the Oscars. That doesn't matter for the horror. Oscars. That's, oh, because okay. the Oscars the is just Globes. like blanket across. Yeah, the, the Oscars is like blanket. Was it submitted as a comedy in I the Golden bo- Globes? I thought that it was in so that it would do better. Than being considered a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was nominated for actor in a musical actor. or comedy and, and yeah. musical or comedy. Well, the Golden That's Globes. so wild. Well, the, the whole Golden Globe system, the whole Emmy system of what's a yes. comedy and what's a drama is all now, it's all like, it's all sorts of fucked up. Um, <laughs> the Oscars at least like just have one, it's just movie. <laughs> So like right. you you know but 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 they obviously prioritize the dramas for what you know but anyway we could talk for about this reason. for like a, a million <laughs> hours I definitely could but right, because Natalie the bear Portman, is in the comedy category and like yeah what is it's that? not but, but it's it's thirty minutes so it is but it's, right you yeah. know what I mean but like it, but it's not um, but it's not <laughs> yeah um, but uh, yeah but Natalie Portman did win uh, best actress for this movie um, fantastic. Yes. And, I didn't know uh, that. That's awesome. Yeah, she won. Like, I'm now I'm, like, looking at the Golden Globes, and it makes me so <laughs> mad mm-hmm. because, like, the things that it's not – like, the other things in the same category were The Disaster Artist, The Greatest Showman, I, Tanya, and Lady Bird. Like, that's mm. insane 
That's wow. insane. Yeah. Can we like we don't need to I hate like it just makes me mad about like labels and like boxing things in that like don't quite make sense. Like yes. can we have more labels that like more appropriately target this thing? Yes. I'm also I also still have like an ongoing gripe about like the musical or comedy. Like why is that why does that Together. continue to be this like weird overlap? Yep. yep. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, Somebody write a letter. Jamie, get an email going. <laughs> Strongly worded letter and or email. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> she beat out uh, Annette Benning for all – the kids are all right. Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. for Rabbit Hole. Jennifer Lawrence for Winter's Bone. And Michelle Williams for Blue Valentine. All excellent mm-hmm. performances, but this one is – this one's pretty spectacular. And we'll talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Especially the work that Natalie Portman put in to it yeah. too – Try to do as much as she could uh, for without sure. a body double. Yeah, yeah. But Fantastic. she did have a dance double, right? Exactly. Yeah, but she put in the work. She meant she married the choreographer of this movie. What? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's okay. Listen, do what you need to do. Are they still married That's or love, no, baby? Yeah. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. wow. Okay. Since 2012, they have two kitties, and by Congrats. kitties, I mean children. <laughs> Not cats, Not sorry. <laughs> yes, needed to clarify. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All right, well, let's get into our first segment of likes and gripes. And also tell me what number of times have you seen uh, this movie? And now our likes and gripes. Jamie, do you want to start? Sure. Right. Um, so I... I saw this in theaters when it came out. Oh, work. And I don't think that I've actually like sat through it in its entirety since I saw it in theaters. I may have seen like bits and pieces on TV if it was on, but like I have not sat through a full rewatch of this since it came out. Mm-hmm. Um but uh I man, this movie is so good. Uh I like there were things that I remembered, but what I did not remember was how sad the ending was. Mm. Um, and it made me very upset. Like I had to walk out of the room and I went into the bathroom and was like sobbing for like five minutes. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm okay. Um, but yeah, I just like didn't realize how affected I would be by this movie because what what really stood out to me the first time was just like I just thought this movie was like a masterpiece. I I loved this movie when I saw it in theaters. Darren Aronofsky for me is a director that like evokes something deeply uncomfortable in me, um, mm. mostly because of uh, Requiem for a Dream, which is a movie that like. When I first saw that, I was like, I never need to see this movie ever again. <laughs> and then somehow I always got roped into having to watch it again. And I was like, I can't, I just don't want to. It's just so disturbing. Um, and here I am watching it again. So like <laughs> there's something like he really knows how to make a movie that like gets under your skin for lack of a better term. Um, but uh, yeah, this movie is so good. Um, I... I I think also part of the reason why I enjoyed this movie so much is because, like, 
so much of my work is around perfectionism. Like that's like my main focus of my job and like the population that I work with. So it felt like particularly poignant to watch it now. For sure. And like, I just think it's a really excellent, uh, like breakdown of like, like how perfectionism actually impacts us. Because like you have people who think that like being perfect is the most important thing. And like, what does it mean to be perfect? And Mm -hmm. they kind of reference some of that. And I, I have some gripes about like how Toma, uh, like defines perfection. Mm. Um, but ultimately it's like, like what will you put yourself through in order to be perfect? And like, what impact does that have on you? And I feel like this movie, obviously like, you know, it's a psychological horror. It's like, there's a lot of other things going on, but like at its core for me, it's an excellent demonstration of like the, the downfall of perfectionism if it goes unchecked and, and like, you know, so like that, that's like, it, it felt very important for me. Yeah, um, for sure. In rewatching this. Um, but, uh, yeah, some of the things that I really liked, I, I really liked the effects. Um, I know that it's like CGI, but, uh, it was, it was very subtle. Like it wasn't in your face. Mm. It was, it was always like, just like a little bit, um, anytime that like Natalie Portman saw herself as a doppelganger in someone else's face and you like saw her face really briefly and then it like switched to whoever was actually there. It was always for like a second, which I really liked. Um, The way that like her body, you like saw like the weird scalies. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to describe it, but like whatever was happening to her skin looked very cool. Um, I... I fucking hate every time that she like ripped off hangnails. It made Ugh. me cringe into oblivion. Yeah. And I was actively biting my nails and like fucking with my cuticles when that scene started happening. No. And I was like, I literally like waved my hands in the air and like yelled to Brian, like, oh my God, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it too. I hate it. I, hate I was it. Like, like, oh God. I like, even though like I also get it and like I can't help myself, but like, mm-hmm. ugh, it was awful watching somebody else do it. It's so. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. A terrible habit. Uh, we should all stop. Don't do it. Um, don't do it. Uh, I really like – I like that she's like an unreliable narrator and that we're not totally sure what's real and what's not real and kind of questioning everything. Yeah. Um, I I hate her mom. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I – like, I, it's a thing that I like because like it, it's part of what makes this movie really good. Um, I love watching dancers like fuck with their point shoes. It's my favorite thing. To like thing. get them ready. Oh my God. On TikTok? I love it. Yes. I could watch it for like hours. hours. It's so satisfying yes. and just like fascinating. And I also felt like it was a really important thing. Sure. Like, it's a, it's a thing that's like part of like dance. I'm assuming because I've I've seen TikToks and so I'm an expert, obviously. But <laughs> it's but it felt really important also to like include that yes. and not them like acknowledge it. It's just like it's a part of it, but also it's like the destruction and like watching them do that and watching her do it with her mom mm-hmm. like just felt really important. So I really liked that. Um, I did make a note that I would I would hate 
living the floor below her because she was practicing yeah. ballet in that fucking apartment. And yeah, all you're hearing is like tap, 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 fans, 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 fans. I would, I would, I would like hit the ceiling with my mop. Um. And also uh, to, to ride that uh, ballet, ba- ballet dancer train of things. Um, so many delightful back muscles in this movie. Like my gosh. the back muscles in this movie were just like, mm-hmm. like from everybody, just like yes, those very, shoulder blades, the shoulder blades, defined. and like everything. Like it just yeah. felt, it was very visceral, and like that added to the environment. and And it's a mm-hmm. very interesting thing to watch these very strong people, like core wise, mm-hmm. muscularly very strong, but mentally deeply broken. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. It was, yeah. There, uh, I, I truly can't imagine what it takes physically and psychologically to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's completely wild to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like impressive, but also like, I want to, I wanted to give all of them a hug. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what else did I write? Um, I wrote down, some of the quotes. Well, one of the first things that I wrote down was like infantilized and mm-hmm. just as like a note, because, you know, like, yeah, the focus is on perfectionism, but there's also like the mother daughter dynamic is really fascinating. And the way that the mom like coddles her daughter, but it's not just her daughter doesn't really push back until much late, like in the third act of the movie, I would say, mm-hmm. um, She's very accepting of it. And I would even say like feeds into it in some ways when she first gets offered uh, the role of like the, the Swan queen, she calls her mom and is like, uh, he picked me mommy. Like that call just made me so, it made me so deeply sad. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like just the, the level of like, like they have this like, really enmeshed relationship. It's just like very over involved in her daughter's life in a way that like she, like Nina is not able to have her own identity, which I, you know, I think also fuels why this split is happening because of like, she's also splitting from her mom and Mm. creating her new identity, which like, has not been without her mom all this time. So yeah. like, I think that's, that feeds into it too. Also, but if I could, so that quote, he picked me mommy was yeah. so, so it's so effective for me because when you call somebody to say you got a part or something, you say it from a personally positive place where you're just like, I booked it or I got mm-hmm. it, or I earned it, I did it. But it was, he picked me, mommy. Like, yeah. the, the those words, subverting the expectation of what you think a normal, normal being relative, obviously, but a more grounded, level-headed person would say in that moment who has a little bit more self-esteem, mm-hmm. that, that, that is a gut punch of a moment. And, and, and I did not expect to be like, floored by that moment truly yeah yeah and then there's the other line um that the mother says to her um where she says uh 
the she's like the she's like you know you 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 know you used to have a career or whatever it was and the mom says the one i gave to have the one i gave up to have you and then and then i think natalie portman uh, nina says something to the effect of like like what career like right. like mm-hmm. that type of thing and that was just like brutal all the yeah. little things that natalie portman says to her mom or nina says to her mom and some people post like being suffocated like in the bedroom like by the mm-hmm. other character are just so sharp and like incredibly piercing especially yeah. when you compare it to the first half of the movie or what you expect people to do in those situations right but mm-hmm. going back to the line that Jamie pinpointed he picked me mommy truly brutal mm-hmm. yeah but it's also it's super rooted in perfectionism because like perfectionism is is fueled by a fear of failure mm. and so it's not like the the what you were describing where it's like there's one situation where like she got this part breaks into two different ways that somebody can perceive that on one hand somebody who maybe has like more positive self-esteem is like, I, I booked the part. I got this mm-hmm. versus somebody who is so afraid of failing that it's rooted like in, in them being accepted. It's all external validation. Mm-hmm. It's not like her own ability to recognize her own accomplishments and success. And so like, that's the way, like what you are pointing out is very much like her perception of herself is like, I have to be the best. I have to be perfect. This, this conversation is like fueling and continues to fuel her perception of herself of like, I can't fail. I have to be perfect. It's not like I succeeded in this. Mm -hmm. It's the, I can't fail. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I just think that that's also really interesting with perfectionism. Um, so the comments about perfectionism. Uh, one of the comments that uh, Toma says mm-hmm. is like, "All that discipline for what?" And like, there's a part where I feel like obviously there's a lot of like negging and just like cutting mm-hmm. people down, which is gross. Um, but the other thing, the one that really bothered me is when he says perfectionism isn't about control; it's about letting go. Mm. And I. I have a problem with that because I don't agree with that. Perfectionism, again, if perfectionism is rooted in like a fear of failure, you're trying to have control over everything to prevent failure from happening at all costs. So like his his idea of like the perfect black swan is somebody who is able to portray this like more like sensual, like loose version compared to the white swan who's like very rigid and like, you know, innocent and whatever, whatever. Um, he says, but that's not, he says perfectionism is, is perfectionism is not just about control. It's also about letting go surprise yourself. So you can surprise the audience transcendence. Yeah. I, Rude. <laughs> but like it's the, cause somebody who is so fearful of like failure is unable to let go. Mm -hmm. So it's also like really unhelpful feedback that he's giving. Most of the time, the things that he's saying, I have a problem with, but again, I'm not (laughs) like, I am not, no, but like that's coming from someone who's not a dancer, but I also just don't think that 
maybe I'm wrong, but like, I feel like if I was a dancer, I'd be like, you have to give me concrete feedback on what you actually want me to do, which he never gives, which I think part of that is like, this is a movie for lay people who maybe aren't dancers. So like, that's fine, whatever. But like him just saying like, you got to lose control is like deeply unhelpful when he's already identified that she's like very rigid and like has a really hard time with loosening up. So like him not giving more effective like he's not communicating effectively for mm-hmm. like a fucking director like baffles me and then the things that he's saying i feel like is really counterintuitive to like the entire way that she operates and so like of course she's having such a hard fucking time with this because like she's not going to lose control she's not going to let go because that's not that is not how she like perceives the world. And that does not get her any further away from failure. Um, even if it ends up like self-sabotaging her, because again, perfectionism is the idea of it, like motivating us and moving us closer towards our goals is, is a fallacy that it ends up causing us so much more harm because we don't believe in ourselves because we struggle so much with like self-confidence and self-esteem because it's rooted in fear and not in like actual growth and the ability to like continue to do better and readjusting those expectations. Like, it just, it, it made me very mad over and over again every time he was that's saying so, those things. That's so funny because in my notes, I have that exact quote and that I loved that quote. <laughs> oh, <laughs> interesting. Really? Wait, tell me why. Yes. And, and it's so funny because a few weeks ago, I had a conversation with one of our former musical directors at Hamilton about being in the show for so long and things like not going how you want them to go. And Mm -hmm. his point was that you've already, and this kind of goes back to like the discipline of it all. It's like Mm. in the technique, he was saying that you already have the technique and foundation down. And so now you have to let that go in a sense and Mm. trust that you've already built up the foundation in order to be able to sing the notes correctly or, you know, perform the role in the way that it needs to perform. And now it's more so about not trying to have control over every single moment, but living in that present moment. And so you're letting go of trying to fully control, like, how am I singing this? It's like, no, I've already built up the technique. I know how to sing this, but because I'm overthinking everything and trying to control specifically what's happening, that's what's causing me to not perform in the way that I would want to. So that's kind of how I interpreted that particular. But I understand what you're saying because... His I also think that what you just said is slightly different from what he is saying because right, I think it's yeah, different yeah. to say be in the moment, be more present with yourself versus yeah. overthinking about what you're like supposed to do. Yeah. Like those are two different things compared to like just let go. Like that's that for me was like that's not helpful. If he even said that, I feel yeah. like that's a totally different philosophy totally. of like how can I practice like being really grounded and mindful in this moment mm. as opposed to like just being stuck in my own head and that's that's holding me back like I think that that's a much much better way yeah. to frame it as opposed to what he says in the movie but I yeah. also think that's really I like that perspective yeah you I mean that sounds like a good director or a good note like with <laughs> right. context um, yeah what I would think is and one of my gripes about this movie and I recognize that this movie is very melodramatic on purpose but um 
one of my gripes with the movie is that I, I wish that the director character was a little bit more layered other than like, you know, the stereotypical, this is what a director who directs women is. I don't want there to be ass. any boundaries yeah. between it. Not even a hard ass. Like, mm. he's a fucking creep. Yeah. And that oh, that definitely is my yeah. biggest gripe with this is, like, the stereotypical, like, male, like, has a leadership role in some kind of, like, right. any literally anything. And does it's not limited to, like, just the, the creative world, but, like, literally any job. Right. And is just, like, a smarmy piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> if yes. he had been more inspirational in his direction, I think that would have been a way more I'm, – I'm not saying give him more screen time, but he's if he's written to be a little bit more – inspirational like i said or 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 more more introspective when it comes to actually directing these people like Mm -hmm. i think that would have been an interesting layer to be on top of it what because Hmm. because to me the women only do like the women want their jobs they're doing their jobs they're dancing but also like he really all he does is like strut his power as opposed to strut his creativity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, like I, I but I think that like Natalie Portman is really the only one who's like in awe of him and his genius. Sure. So I feel like they kind of like they gave her that to to lay the groundwork of like, okay, this is somebody that like, since we're getting all of our time with her, that mm-hmm. like this is the person that they're all supposed to like, you know, be gaga over that like he's the, he's the, the creative like visionary and like they all want to, you know, they all want to work for him. They all want to be around him, like all of that. Like she has those comments. We don't really see it from him, which is fascinating. Sure. But <laughs> they do a lot more telling than showing when it comes yeah. to like his genius or whatever. However, he got this job or whatever it is. And I could have used a little bit more to build that character up a little bit more and make that more interesting because whenever he's really talking to her, whether it's in front of the Lincoln Center fountain or whether it's at his apartment or whether it's this, it's really only this stereotypical manipulation as opposed Mm -hmm. to like something more than that. Now I'm not saying that that would have made the character less creepy. He'd be equally as creepy, but I think it would be a much more complicated um, viewing experience. Um, than just the know, one note. Yeah, because like behavior. it was very when this. Yeah, well, and I'll get into that later. But so, but but uh, yeah, that that that's so. If he had said something like what you said, Nikisha, and she still mm-hmm. couldn't get it, and was still trying to figure it out, like I would argue that that's even more interesting than a lot of this being surface level. Like he doesn't give notes; she's got to figure out what to do. If he gave notes, would this movie even happen? That's another question <clears> we can <throat> actually, you know what I mean, ask. But again, yeah. we didn't see every rehearsal. Yeah. Very true. Jamie, do you Jamie. have more likes and cries? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. I really like this movie. Yeah. And- Fantastic. Um, I'll go because you said a lot of mine already, uh, Jamie, but I loved the opening dream sequence of like mm-hmm. – her the starting of like her being or the possessed but it's part of the actual black swan story which yeah. i had to look up and be like okay what is exactly happening uh mm-hmm. in in black swan but um i love the opening sequence i also love the dancers breaking in the shoes um and i'm glad that they included that process um i also hate 
And this goes back to the one note director stereotypical thing. It's when it's those things where like the director will call people like forward if they're like waiting in a line, but then like the people who he calls forward are the ones that get cut, but the ones that are in the Mm -hmm. back are fine. And that whole sequence with him, like tapping the people on the shoulder and being like, if I tapped you on the shoulder, like you go to rehearsal, but everyone else, you can audition for the principal parts. Like, yeah, I hate that shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's just so annoying. Just like be upfront. I guess. And that also ties into like the communication thing. It's like, be straightforward mm-hmm. with your communication. Don't like mm-hmm. make it dramatic just for shits and giggles. It's like it's already a dramatic situation, you know. Um, I loved the circling shots as Natalie is dancing because it makes you feel like you're like in the moment with her uh, dancing when she was doing her initial audition for the Queen Swan. Um, I love the general idea of like the physical manifestation of her obsession and her blind uh, ambition and willingness to do whatever to get the part and how that kind of translates through what Jamie was saying about unreliable narrator, but we're seeing like things happen to her physically um, as well as just things Mm -hmm. that she's seeing in her mind, like with the Mila Kunis character and and that interaction, all that stuff. Um, one gripe that I had is that no ballerina is dancing with her hair down. I don't do ballet, but I've seen enough TikTok videos, and I was like, yeah. none of y'all are dancing with your hair down. That well, that's is, because that's she's like, the black swan. She's so badass. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, that's <laughs> totally. just being stereotypical. Yeah. Like, I'm going against the grain, guys. Like, I have mm. my hair down. It's like, no, you can still be a badass, and your hair is going to be up in that bun. Somebody's going to yell at you for that. Um, I loved slash hated the ripping of the the skin from the fingers i thought that mm-hmm. was a nice body horror gore um i also agree with jamie with the shadows of natalie's face but it was somebody else every time um she was looking at people mm-hmm. um a great oh i love the orchestration i thought it was oh. great, even though it was mostly tchaikovsky's like music but oh, you're right the score wow how they mm-hmm. added it in there was yeah. amazing and I thought it really added to the heightened uh, intensity of a lot of the scenes in in the in the movie. Uh, one gripe that I had is that her sweet nature got a little bit annoying to me of just being like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm so oh," because <laughs> <laughs> that's a great impression. <laughs> Nikita, one of my I, notes here is what a bummer to hang out with her. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, to, and I think it's mostly because, like, <laughs> I live in this kind of industry of entertainment. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. you have to have way more confidence than that. even the people that I know who can be so self-deprecating still mm-hmm. had more confidence in their ability than she did and wasn't as sure. so meek, mild little mouse as she was. Like, me, 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 Yeah. So that just kind of got annoying to me because it's like girl you chose this industry you know how this industry is Mm -hmm. and i understand being like tunnel vision focused on the goal but you can't Mm. also be like oh but i don't want to step into the spotlight it's like no you gotta have more confidence in that um one thing that i did disagree with jamie was talking about the cgi this mm-hmm. second go around, I didn't like the CGI as much. And I think the main mm. scene that I didn't like was when her legs were breaking. 
Sure. Uh, oh, into yeah. The swan. That's also gross. Yeah. It was gross, but then I was like, oh, this is heavily CGI'd, and it just didn't yeah. do it for sure. me. Oh, they didn't break her actual. Legs. Right. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was just like a way too much. But I did enjoy when she was spinning, uh, at, when she was actually performing the Black Swan, and then when she was mm-hmm. doing all of her spins at the end, and then transforms into like all of the that was feathers. very cool. I thought that was awesome. And then that shot to where she's frozen, but the shadow is of the swan yeah, in the back. Uh-huh. That's mm-hmm. gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I also agree with Jamie. I like how you don't know like what's what's real and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but also mm-hmm. a minor gripe that I had, and this is the last thing, is uh no one saw that blood on her costume. Like no one at the sure. beginning. Cause yeah. it's a white <laughs> costume. And even if it was just a little bit of blood, it's like there's red there. Like what's going on? What's happening? Yeah. And it just kept like, you getting can bigger see that. and bigger. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. So it's like nobody is is checking in on this girl. Um <laughs> But it was nice to revisit this movie. This is only my second time watching it. And the first time I watched it was only a couple years ago. I didn't watch it when Hmm. this first uh, came out. I feel like this was a pandemic watch for me the first time Mm -hmm. I saw it. And the first time I saw it, I was enamored. Loved everything about it. Thought it was gorgeous, blah, blah, blah. Second go around, just little things, just uh, mostly from my time being in this kind of industry and how things work and how people work. It was... um, very stereotypical, uh, but I get it because it's Hollywood and it's trying to portray the most drama possible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I still think that this does a very good job of, like we said, talking about the ballet shoes, talking about like auditioning uh, for things in general, because I've been in rooms where you are watching the other person audition for your part mm-hmm. and that and how stressful that can be. Uh, in that instance and um, and dealing with like dick directors who don't yeah. know how to communicate things and mm. you having to try to figure things out for yourself. And also, and we'll talk about this in, in brains, just the whole perfectionism of it all as an artist and wanting to do your best, mm-hmm. but also having to, like I said in the, in the quote, like let go of the control that you have because you already have the discipline and the knowledge. It's like, if you already know how to clap your hands, you don't have to think about clapping your hands, right? And so mm-hmm. I think as artists, we sometimes are like, yes, trying to figure out, like, well, be careful. How can I, <laughs> right? <laughs> Am I clapping hard enough? Is the width wide enough? You know, and you, and you get into overthinking, yeah. and it's like, no, you already know how to clap. Wow. So like, enjoy just Never clapping. Never thought about clapping, and now I'm, now I'm worried. How <laughs> far out do I go? Or is right. it like? Or clapping on the one and three or the two and four, you know? Oh, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> wow. Our clapping anxiety has really been brought out in this episode. That was not that was yes. not on my black swan bingo card. Right. No. <laughs> but I, I think it, it's, a good, it's a good representation of, like, I guess bringing it around to enjoying the art form again mm-hmm. as opposed to just trying to be perfect in the art form. It's like you can be uh, – there's a balance of being – good at what you do and also enjoying what you do. Because I think if you're too focused on trying to be good at what you do, you're, it's not going to be fun for you anymore. And I'm speaking on just mm-hmm. personal experience. Sure. It's like the more that I overthink of trying to be the best at what I'm doing is when I have the least fun in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that this is just kind of a good representation of trying to find 
uh, that kind of balance. And then sure. also, you know, dance moms drama. <laughs> so. Dance moms. Dance moms. But that's all my likes and gripes. Cool. Uh, Brian? Yeah, sure. Um, this was my second full watch of this movie. I remember seeing it in movie theaters and thinking outside of Natalie Portman's performance, this movie was fine. Um, Mm. Because The Wrestler had only come out two years beforehand, which was also Darren Aronofsky. And it's a similar movie. It's Mm -hmm. a very similar movie. Obviously, this one is more horror and psychological. That one's just more like, like redemption drama, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know he directed that. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And it Oof. feels very similar. So I was like, he's just rehashing certain ideas in a different way with this one. But, mm-hmm. and, and I also didn't, I didn't, I was not in love with a lot of the melodrama and the like one like surface level exploration that this felt like um, from like a, from a cinematic perspective. And that like didn't will click with me this time i really enjoyed it um i was able to separate myself from it like from the from the wrestler and all of that i bought into the melodrama of it all and natalie portman's performance was even better this time um yeah i think the camera work in this movie is absolutely dynamic and i'll point out what nikisha said earlier that opening prologue dream sequence is wonderful the camera work around all the mirrors in this movie um which Mm. also also leads to us it also it also hurts and helps us understand what's real and what's not because obviously mila kunis never comes back to the apartment with her in real life but like you know when she, when the mom enters she you, you, there's that shot of her like sneaking across the mirrors and stuff like that natalie portman's in the bathroom with her with the mirror natalie portman's obviously in the the ballet rooms with her in the mirror like she's in the bathroom with the mirror there are mirrors in her bedroom like all of that is just really well executed but specifically at the end um during the like last 20 minutes of this movie the camera work in the actual ballet when you're following what's her name from behind. Um, mm-hmm. And then it cuts to this static shot of just like what the audience sees. And what I found fascinating about that is like so much, it really does an excellent job of how chaotic things are on stage and how the audience only sees pictures and whatever Natalie Portman's Nina is going through on that stage, they only see the final product. They don't. And I, I really loved that juxtaposition of like what's happening in the moment from the actor's perspective, specifically Nina and what an audience is seeing and absorbing. I thought that was mm-hmm. really cool, which is why I also love the shot of the, the swan like behind her while she's yes. like in that pose. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the sound work in this from the score that Nikisha mentioned to the, like the point shoe Foley work is just amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Also shout out to the transition of the creepy guy on the train, like doing the like oh, the yeah. like creepy noises, that transition into her cutting her point shoes down and stuff like that. That was a spectacular sound transition in general. Um, this movie really moves. Um, I think that the pacing of this movie is absolutely wonderful. I think that. Um, and, and it also helps that she's a broken person before the movie. Like there's no one thing that breaks her in this movie. And then we're going on her journey. Like we set the, this, we set what, who she is and, and the movie just goes. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, 
Uh, a couple things. I really love that throwing away the cake scene when they're trying to celebrate. And Oof. her mom just goes from like <sighs> zero to 60 on that. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I really believe that they would live on an, ap- on an apartment on 103rd Street um, or around then, like sharing that in that. That felt that felt very realistic New York. And, and that absolutely. And all those little details like that don't take me out so I can focus on everything else. Yeah. Um, the mother has control, but she wants her own control. And a, that like push and pull is really excellent. Um, the skin rips have, as we mentioned, Oh, Lily laughing during the announcement, all the little mm. things when, and then she thinks she hears Lily laughing in places when she's walking by her, like what's real, mm-hmm. what's not, it doesn't matter. Natalie, uh, Natalie Portman, but like Nina hears this in her head, which I think is wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. I like the idea of clipping the fingernails, not just because it represents like the scratching and the self mutilation and stuff like that, but it also represents this like fine line between the mother hurting her and helping her. Um, mm. I, I like that. It's kind of that kiss kill. It's another version of like kiss kill in some ways. Um, I really, really like that. Uh, the- who uses those types of little scissors to cut nails though? That know. really stressed me out. Yeah. I was like, so stressed. there are nail clippers. Like, are why doing? are you using nail mm-hmm. clippers? <laughs> that um, was a gripe. I mean, I love the simple things like darker <laughs> clothes. She, she, that Nina wears darker clothes after her night out. Like, like, you know, cause I like that. I, the idea of like the pillow, like that night, totally, whatever was the drugs or whatever it is, just broke her and like turned her into somebody mm-hmm. else. Um, shout out to Sebastian Stan in a little cameo in this movie. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. In the club. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that, I think that casting, uh, Winona Ryder in this is very effective. She doesn't do a lot. She's obviously a very good actress. But there's something to say about somebody who used to be like the star of the 80s, 90s. That kind of went away. And like she kind of got pushed out for whatever reason, whether it was age, whether whatever it was. I just thought it was a very good use, like a meta use of of that actress. Um, I... I like that it really starts and defines itself as a psychological thriller and then becomes horror. Um, uh, And uh, this movie in a nutshell, and this is my like and my gripe is when she's, when she's separating her toes and it's clearly like it's the, um, the tape from taping her toes together. Her toes are, are, are keeping her feet together and she's trying to pull them apart. I got it. I understood what the movie was trying to show us that like the tape is the webbing between her toes and like she's turning into it. And then she takes off the other shoe and it's blatantly showing you webbed feet. Um, To me, that's what this movie is. It's subtle. And then it just tells you what it's doing. Like Mm. the first time I watched this movie, I did not like that. This time I was fine with it because I, on, on further review, I was, I clicked more with the melodrama that he was trying to do in this one. Um, Um, <clears throat> and to be completely honest, I took no notes from the point in which they did the um the like the tech the night before to the end of mm. this movie. I took no notes. Mm-hmm. The 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 entire performance aspect of things when she's like when she's going to be late for the performance and she's in the performance and she has to convince Toma to like, let her go on. And then she goes on and that, and then she, and then, then she kills Mila Kunis and then you find out it's not her. And that whole, like, it's just, it's just so dynamic. 
it's there's so much momentum to it the music the, everything builds it's truly incredible that last like 20 mm-hmm. minutes and then of course I don't think I've been devastated by a line in a movie in a long time the way that this got me. I felt it. Perfect. It was perfect. Like, mm-hmm. I'm getting goosebumps just, like, talking about it now. But, like, that Trying just summed it up. all the tears. <laughs> yeah. It just summed up exactly what she was going through. She achieved it. It didn't matter. And in my opinion, it does not matter if she died or not because she accomplished what she set out to do. It doesn't. Mm. It didn't matter. Because she had given her life to this part, essentially, and like she was willing to sacrifice everything for it. Um, and then I have another question for you. Do you think she actually killed Beth? Was that real? In the hospital? Mm. Do you think she killed Winona Ryder? That's a great question. Because she, she didn't kill Mila Kunis's character. No. But she did do something drastic like she she stabbed herself she had like blood on her hands in the right. elevator like she, after she, leaving yeah Winona. She had, there was real bl- so like I, I don't know the answer mm, to that i'm gonna say no <laughs> but i that's based on nothing just my yeah. hope right yeah. i guess I that's know. me too my hope is no <laughs> i'll go with i think she did <laughs> oh man <clears throat> um because she was getting rid of the another other person <clears throat> she mm. was getting rid of her per- potential future she was she the thing that the, with the broken legs and what was this woman going to do after yeah. she didn't have dance anymore she was oh, eliminating man. the future you know what i mean mm, and that yeah, also yeah. is symbolic of the fact that her stabbing herself during the performance eliminates her future anyway right um she yeah. would rather die the hero than live long enough to see herself become pushed out mm-hmm. like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, some of my gripes, the wrestler stuff, as I mentioned, some of this is very obvious, like the music box breaking her, throwing away her stuffed animals. Like I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of her, some of this feels very paint by numbers. Like this is how you do a psychotic mm. break in a movie enhanced by her amazing performance or justified by that. Anytime he said my little princess, I I didn't believe it. I don't think that the dialogue was delivered well enough. And I think a lot of the dialogue was on the nose in this movie, like too on the nose. It mm. you know in little um you know in uh Love Actually, when uh uh Laura Linney's character keeps saying like little darling to her brother. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe that when she says that. And I don't believe it just feels like something you put in a script. It never came out naturally. And, yeah. I, and that really bothered me. Um, and uh, I'll, I think that I don't I don't take this for what it is. This is clearly written and directed by a man. I feel like there's not enough s- subtlety in it. I know it's trying to be melodramatic, but like there would be different subtleties in this potentially for even the male characters or the, the, the dancers that would have potentially given us a little bit more layers, but um, you know, that's neither here or there because he wrote and made he this is his movie. Um, But uh, yeah. And my, my biggest gripe of this all was that the, the, the director was just a villain and he never really, he never really came across as anything other than that um, Mm. to justify Outside of the fact that she just wanted to, she was ambitious in her own way and 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 dependent on what the director thinks, I could have used a little bit more like 
act, as I mentioned, like actual creative inspiration that would like, you would understand how he could get a job like that at that prestigious, like, um, dance company. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not, that's not taking away from the fact that he's a creeper and awful because all, because like in the history of, as Jamie said, in the history of all of that, like, you know, they're, they're always creepers. Um, yes. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then is the mom, does the mom actually, do you think the mom is helping at the end by trying to keep her back from doing the performance? Oh, I think it might be a little bit of both. And is her mom actually in the audience? Mm. I don't think she's in the audience. I don't think her mom is there. Yeah, I don't think she's in the audience. And I think that she's trying to help in her own way as a mother, but also as a mother that's controlling and just wants Mm. her daughter to do whatever she wants her to do. So I think it's both of like, yes, she's trying to help, but in a manipulative way, like it could have helped Nina's character to not do that performance, you know, but the reasoning Mm. behind it from her mom is manipulative. Um, Oh, I forgot one last thing important this is the most important note obviously um <laughs> this at some points this just felt like a long form uggs commercial ha i can't <laughs> i mean it's 2010 like that's like peak ugg uggery yes it's peak uggery, uggery. Oh peak i uggery. always wanted them when i was in college <laughs> that's yeah that's when we were in college i Mm-hmm. Always wanted Uggs. Oh, yeah, sure. When we I, were in college. I did have one pair of Uggs. <laughs> I own, like, fake Uggs. I, I don't think I ever got, Fugs. like... <laughs> Fugs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I, but I, I get it. So. I understand dancers wearing Uggs. Like, they keep your feet warm. It's very comfortable. Like I, And it's and it's peak Ugg. I get it. I totally understand. But also, Well, now they have, like, the Uggs. special insulated little booties mm. that they wear that looks like a big winter coat. Like, like it's literally oh. made of, like, this material. Oh. And if you've seen on YouTube, hi. Uh, but it's, like, <laughs> shoes. And I've seen mm. even people, like, in the Hamill world, just wearing them to like do their warm ups. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So the Uggs are out, and now these little little coat booties are in. Coat booties. Coat booties. Fantastic. Is that all of our likes and gripes, everyone? I think so. Okay. Well, let's get into mm, brains. Jamie's been talking about it a little bit, but let's get deeper into it. Deeper. Deeper. So my first question is about, um, obviously, because you're a parent, I want to talk about helicopter parenting. <laughs> <laughs> and I would... Right. Now I'm a helicopter. Whoa. Great sound. If you're not watching us on YouTube, <laughs> you didn't see her turn into a helicopter. <laughs> Jamie needs to be a Foley artist. That's your next Helicopter, <laughs> helicopter. Isn't that, that's the... That's the, you, that's anyway. the thing. That was a trending yeah, yeah, TikTok, TikTok sound. TikTok, TikTok, anyway. All right, thanks, Brian. Sorry, sorry. 
We're, we're up to date on all the things current. Uh, so my question to you, Jamie, is what are some ways that helicopter parenting can affect a child, negative or positive, if you believe there are positives? Um, do I believe that there are positives? I mean, I think that this like over-involvement of a parent makes it hard for like children to create their own identities and like be independent. Mm. Ted agrees with me. <laughs> um, Patty. And like just this always having to like, there's this like always having to run things by your parent mm-hmm. and like, they're just like always involved in all decision making. You're, you don't really have that much autonomy. Um, and I think it, it can lead to like, difficulty with codependency, um, difficulty making decisions on your own, um, like struggling with like identity formation and development. Like if so much of yourself is like also kind of attached to a parent, um, like because of the over-involvement or because they like view that you as the child is like an extension of themselves. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think those things are not good. I think right. that like, you know, maybe on the flip side that there's a degree of like like really wanting to be involved in your child's life because you genuinely care about their well-being and like like I can see it rooted in that, not just in bad things. So mm. I think that like I think definitely intention is really important, but also it's like, you know, like just because they're your child, they still are going to be this like independent thing. Like they're going to turn 18, they're going to be an adult. Mm -hmm. So like this can't, you know, you can't prevent them from like living their own independent lives forever. And it's a matter of just like, when, when are you going to have to let go in order to allow your child to like be their own person? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think, I think there's like, an argument to be said about like it's coming from a, a place of, you know, love and like caring very deeply and like wanting the best for your child, but also like, you know, you're then not really allowing your child to like do certain things independently and like learn on their own, which like at some point they will have to. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Cause they, like you said, I love the point. It's there. They are going to eventually be a independent person. So mm-hmm. you can't be, um, you know, using that technique of helicopter parenting because it's not going to be uh, applicable their entire lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, my next question is, can we talk about the mother? Are we diagnosing her with something or is she like just a dance mom that's, you know, <laughs> Abby Lee Miller <clears throat> possessive over her child? <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I def I think that the mom is kind of a narcissist. Mm. Um, that's like the vibe that she gives off in this. Like when I was saying, like parents who struggle with viewing their children as anything other than an extension of themselves. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I view this mother daughter relationship. Like that, it's just like so. <clears throat> there's so much overlap that's happening. And I think part of that is like, because the mom is likely 
a narcissist. Mm. Yeah, I get that. Like um, Brian brought up this scene with the cake and it was just like she went from zero to 100 very quickly. So Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that scene. Also, the jump scare when she's in the room. Mm. Uh, I mean, there mm. are two of oh them. Oh, my God. There's the, there's the one where she's in the chair when she's like <laughs> – Touching herself and like, yeah. like trying Oof. to find I, the black that was swan. Terrifying. Also, Oof. only, uh. also like only a male director would be like, yeah. Would Everything be like, he says is stupid. Yeah, like that. Um, your homework assignment for tonight is to touch yourself. Like, okay. which is also sad. Like, <clears throat> it's sad because art can be. There are so many ways to get. A, a performance out of people and Nikisha yes. mentioned it and Jamie mentioned it like if you know how the person if you believe in the person I mean this all anything I say right now is going to boil down to the fact that he's an asshole and a creep and a disgusting human being mm-hmm. deserve to be on the face of the planet um mm-hmm. so like so like everything everything from that is different but it's just it, it it makes the movie sadder that like if she had a better director like even if he was still a creeper but could direct better, like her performance would have been better. That's not just excusing the other things, but like, it just makes me sad that she could have gotten to that performance in a different way. Maybe that's just the creative in me being like, there are always other ways to, there are so many different tactics and and ways to get there. But anyway, sorry, I cut off your thing just because I was, I was so deeply unhappy about everybody. No, it's, I agree though. It's true. Um, But there were two mom jump scares in this one when she's in the chair and the other one, she like turns around and she's standing there in the room or whatever it is. I forget, but there are, there were Mm. two good ones. Yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely can believe narcissist uh, for, for the mother, for sure. That seems Mm -hmm. very appropriate. Um, My next question is, do you think the movie does a good job of explaining the how and why of uh, Nina's character descending into madness. Like, do they give enough things with the director and the mom and her own like insecurities, like to lead us to this point? Like, how do you feel about it? Um, I think so. Mm. Um, because kind of like what Brian was saying before, I think there's both implied stuff and then literal stuff. Yeah. Um, that, helps explain it. Um, I think that like you have like everyone is talking about the perfectionism, which is like very straightforward. You have her hallucinating, you have like the doppelganger, you have the mirrors. Mm. There's so many things that are like, that are helping to, demonstrate this like shift that's happening. Um, and like, I do think that all of the kind of talking that they do, the discourse around like perfectionism, even the mom who's like, I'm, you know, like I, I know what this world is like and how, like how it can chew you up and spit you out. Like, are you okay? Even the mom is like kind of checking in on her and like seeing her scratches and see, like she's seeing all these physical signs of stress on her body and, and is like, are you okay? Um, so I, I think that there's enough stuff that's happening like directly to Nina on the periphery that is kind of explaining that I think like ultimately, the like 
she wants this so badly that there's something that like, it's also happening kind of like under the surface, like subconsciously. And that's kind of why I think the splitting is happening that like her desire to, to achieve perfection or to get this role, whatever is so great that like, she's not fully cognizant of the fact that she's going through this transformation, Mm. but but there are all of those things that I just said that I feel like that is like the subconscious trying to break through mm-hmm. to like push its way to create this change within her that I think like ends up they like it ends up kind of explaining it and like even with the the like the murder at the end where she um, murders Mila Kunis's character mm-hmm. and then goes out and it's like that's like the final even before that when Mila Kunis. Uh, when they're in the bedroom together and she puts the pillow over her head, that's like the biggest transformation because like that's, that's her like other part of her essentially like trying to kill her. Mm -hmm. And so like we're seeing that happen and that's when she starts to like talk back to her mom is like telling Mm -hmm. her to like go away and like is trying to like do her own thing. And so like that's when I think you see the most, resistance of her like former life mm. um her life her identity her relationships is like fully devolving as she is also shifting into this like new version of herself yeah. um so i i think that they again like some of it is like very literal but i do think that there's like enough stuff where you can see like what is A what clear, is all influencing yeah yeah this uh, sure. evolution or de-evolution. Yeah. Because I don't know, like, what's, what's – I mean, for, for me, it's a de-evolution. I think it's bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and all Absolutely. of that's supported by an excellent – like, I can imagine Natalie Portman taking her script and, like, tracking every moment and stuff like that <clears throat> and then just, like, mm-hmm. nailing and fully understanding the actual trajectory, trajectory or de-evolution of that character. Right. Yeah all the like cause and effects like this happened and now she's totally this way and yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. scene study 101 for sure mm-hmm. absolutely grand um another question do you or does it seem like uh nina is only into dance because her mom was a dancer or do you feel like the mm-hmm. movie i guess this is for everyone or do you feel like um, the movie kind of sets it up where this is truly nina's like passion and dream regardless Yeah, it's really interesting because, like, we don't really know. Um, It's clear that, like, the mom puts Nina into dance at a very young age. Mm -hmm. I forget, like, five or something like that. Um, So perhaps at the start that's her mom's way of of getting back into this world because she was a part of it and, as we learned in the movie, has to give it up in order to, like, have her daughter. Yeah. And so, like – whatever she can do to like get back into it, she will do. Um, but I, I mean, it doesn't seem like she's forcing her to continue with it, but at the same time, also her mom is very manipulative and like they're the dynamic of, of Nina being so infantilized. It's kind of hard to figure out is she able to like kind of make her own decisions about things? Mm-hmm. And again, we don't see that until the end of the movie, mm-hmm. but like 
this is something that she like seems to want so badly that it's hard to differentiate whether or not her mom like put her in this position to begin with, or she actually has like loved it independently of her mom and like wants to be like even better than her mom was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. No, go ahead, Brian. All I'm going to say is I find it hard to believe with how they set up that relationship um, that it, it isn't like a dance mom's like I'm vicarious living through you kind of mm. scenario, especially yeah. with the manipulation and all of that. Like, and I just, and, and there comes a point where like, as a young adult, you're just like, Oh, this is all I can do. And whether that mm. is what, whether that is told to you by other people and manipulated into you, or you believe it like do it yourself. I true. I, I, I just don't see a world where it's not like that. Yeah. No, I see that. I guess similarly, like, do you think that her downfall was truly just caught uh, in Nina's downfall? Um, was truly caused by just <clears throat> her, I guess, ideation of perfectionism, or does it also have to do with the manipulation of her mother and the manipulation of the director as well? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that there are multiple causes, or was it just like a through line of? Her just wanting to be the best so bad that this the end result happened because of just that. I think it's a combo mm. because so like the way that I view it in terms of like how we perceive things. So I'm going to take a a cognitive behavioral approach. So like this is the idea between it. like our thoughts and our emotions like influence each other. And like that also impacts our behavior Mm -hmm. and our, our thoughts are often rooted in like these underlying beliefs that we hold about ourselves, whether or not they're actually rooted in reality, you know, seemingly doesn't matter because we still believe these things about ourselves. And part of why we believe them is we pull from like experiences that we've had, things that people have said, we internalize those things One of the ways that I describe it is like we run bad experiments all the time because our experiments aren't aren't like objective. We are like picking and choosing the things that fuel our hypothesis of ourself. So if Mm. if she is like, I'm a failure, then anytime anybody says something that like is critical, that is negative, that like fuels that belief that she's a failure – is like highlighted. It's overly emphasized. Like we're zoning in on those things and it continues to fuel that underlying belief. Mm -hmm. Anytime like something there's like positive feedback or like, you know, something goes well, those are outliers. We minimize those. We dismiss those. We like give less attention to them. Mm -hmm. So I think that like part of it is over time we create this, like we create a, a, a belief that we hold that like is how we perceive everything like it like you know we talk about like the lens that we view the world like it's literally the lens that you view the world if you're wearing like rose tinted glasses like that is how you're going to see and experience everything Mm -hmm. if you're wearing shit colored glasses that is how you are going to experience everything Mm -hmm. yeah so part of it is that and then the other part of it is like the people around her and what they're saying and how she is internalizing that so it like continues to fuel that belief system, if she's around a shitty director who's constantly demeaning her and like coming for her and like cutting her down, like that all is going to continue to fuel her belief system. Mm. If her mom is like, you know, 
doing similar things at times and like also being manipulative in different ways, like that's also going to influence that. So it's, it's really hard when you are like surrounded by people that are not being supportive, that like are not like being empathetic and, and, you know, it, it makes it a lot more challenging to challenge that belief because, it feels like you don't have enough evidence to be able to like counter it. Right. So it it's is like really challenging. In you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of like I I think that it's there's a lot of influences, but like I think she's so far in like her her belief system. It's like mm-hmm. so it's it it's just like it's taken this long and it's it's just so deeply, deeply rooted in how she views herself that I, it's like, it's going to be very hard to undo that. Yeah. And if you wear shit colored glasses, <laughs> I knew you were going to say something. You'll get that. pink eye and that will turn into rose colored glasses. <sighs> what a way, what a way to get to rose colored. I accept it. I knew <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> My <Love> mistake. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, that was great. Thank you, Jamie. Um, cool. Should we rotten to mod in this then? Wait, I have a question. Oh, I'm Whoa. sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. I have a question for you, Nikesha, yes. because um, you are in a creative field. Yes. And I'm just curious, like, this movie really centers on, um, I mean, it centers on dancers, but it centers mm-hmm. on, like, people in a creative field. It also very specifically centers on women in a creative field. Yes. And, like, I just want to hear about, like, your experiences and, like, also, like, how do you feel like this film portrayed that experience? Do you feel like it was accurate? Do you feel like there's it's missing stuff? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just very – I was like, oh, I want to talk to Nikisha yeah. about her because this movie, like – Makes me want to give everyone a big hug. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I agree. And I will um, first start off with what I said before about having the confidence to, to be in this kind of field and going back mm-hmm. to uh, cognitive behavioral therapy uh, with my own therapist. She talks mm-hmm. about um, we have to have some type of an ego in order to go after the things that we want to go after. Mm-hmm. Um, so not necessarily like pinning ego as all bad, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's a good thing to have a little bit of an ego to have the confidence to go after this field because it is so competitive. It is very harsh. It is very subjective. There are going to be people who like you for ridiculous reasons that have nothing, nothing to do with your ability and your talent. And you have to be okay with that. And so all that to say, the one thing that I didn't like about this movie again was the fact that she didn't have any kind of <laughs> confidence in her ability or to even like stand up for herself to say at least one time that like she studied, she's done the work, like she, she can do it. Except for the fact when she like kind of asks for the part in a way when she goes into his mm-hmm. office, but even sure. then it was still just like, I don't even believe you asking. Can I have this. it please? Yeah. That's why, that's why it like feels like paint by numbers. Like she yeah. is timid. She then is not timid. You know, this right. happens in between. <laughs> like there's a lot of that where like, there's not, the nuance isn't there, which is fine because mm-hmm. that was not the point of this. It didn't try to do the nuance, to be completely honest. Right, so right, right, right. right yeah. That's a, yeah. 
Totally. But it would have been appreciated if there if there was that nuance because I don't think that mm-hmm. I'm the type of person who would go in as like a fully blown extroverted black swan, like give me the part I deserve it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like I'm still introverted and reserved in this field, but I have enough confidence to know like when I am in a room auditioning, like I'm going to put my best foot forward, you know, in whatever case scenario mm-hmm. that is. Um mm-hmm. I, I think that everyone in this industry does need a hug <laughs> uh, because it is very damaging. It can be very damaging to your self-esteem and your ability, uh, like the reasons I said before, because people are judging you, not necessarily based off of the talent that you can bring. And then as a female, I think this is just kind of worldwide in general, um, having higher ups that are males, having directors that are males, and then them not necessarily communicating effectively to you as a female. Mm -hmm. I think that that Mm -hmm. is very um, accurate. I think that, uh, unfortunately, the creeper aspects of directors and higher ups is also very um, accurate in the sense of Mm. um, men manipulating uh, women uh, is still a thing that happens way too often in the year 2024 uh, in this industry. Um, So even though it was one note and very (laughs) saturated, it's still a thing that um, happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do like the idea of, you know, at least in the in the Mila Kunis, even though they're like, oh, she's the free spirit or whatever. But like, you can tell she's enjoying dance. Sure. And like, she is trying to stick up, you know, for Nina's character, even if she might not have gone about it in the right way of mm-hmm. being like, yeah. like telling the director, like, don't be so harsh on her. Like, yeah. you know, chill out. Mm-hmm. And even uh, Mila, when she does the the dance and she like knocks on her door when we find out that Mila wasn't dead at all and was like, right. Oh my God, mm-hmm. that was so great. It's like, yes, like that happens. Like people are supporting people. That felt women real. are supporting totally. women. Yeah. And it yeah. felt very real and genuine. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that that was, that was a really, uh, a good thing to, um, put in the movie. Uh, but yeah, I think that perfectionism is a thing that really can harm a lot of, um, or be a detriment to a lot of performers and like I said, can take the joy out of it. Um, Cause it's like, you go to school for the technique and all the things. And then now it's really just about like, it's a creative industry. So like you're just creating things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, it's not about doing everything exactly right because what is right? It's a subjective art form. Mm-hmm. There is no right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is yeah. a, you, you either, um, to an extent, you know, like we know if there's yeah. bad acting and not bad acting, but there's no like right or wrong way in how you approach things and, and how you do mm-hmm. it. It's a matter of like, is this true to the character and to myself, how I would portray this character because it's a reflection of me in my body in this form yeah. as opposed mm-hmm. to somebody else. Yeah. And also like, it's fascinating because like perfectionism in a subjective industry is like, an oxymoron in some yes. ways. Yes, <laughs> um, right. But on that note, Nikisha, uh, can you also talk about like m- let's talk about meta perfectionism for a second? Like, if mm. you were in a role where you had to be a ballerina and like an, a really great one who earned like the top spot, like role, the next like a ama- you know the next top person at New York Ballet, like as an actress, how far into being 
you know, learning ballet and getting to that level, are you willing to go? Is that a directorial thing? Is that an individual thing? Like, mm-hmm. at what point? Because Natalie Portman did a lot of it, but she yeah. also had a, a dance double. Like, like for as an actress preparing for something, like how far in do you go? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's a combination of things because in the interviews that I've seen of other people who do this kind of work as well, um, even when I think of like Marvel movie characters, right? So in their preparation for like trying to do maybe some of the stunts in in the movies, Mm -hmm. like from my understanding, like you only – are given a certain amount of time to prep for these things based on when you start filming. And that's all determined by the director. Right. And so sometimes people might only have like three to six months to prepare before they start shooting something. And so like, what can you do in three to six months to be as closely related to this character as you can be? Like what's the low hanging Mm. fruit to make it believable on screen. Okay. Exactly. And so I think that given that amount of time, like, of course you want to do the best that you can, but even still, like you have to think about, and this is what gets me upset too. It's like, Mm -hmm. I just want more actors to understand and viewers to understand that. Like if someone is trying to play like, uh, you know, I, Tanya and stuff like these people have been doing this since they were like five or six. Right. And have Mm -hmm. gotten to this professional point. And now you're portraying this character and you only have three to six months to do what these people have been doing for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. So it's like have the respect enough to do as much as you can, sure, but also fair. like leave it to some of the professionals to do the, um, the, 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 the body double of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I'll do what mm-hmm. I can, but I'm not going to make a mockery of this because I want to say like, I did all of this myself. It's like, yeah. no, I want the outcome to be good and I want it to be yeah. believable. And if someone who has been dancing for 20 years or figure skating for 20 years, I want them to look at this and be like, yes, that is correct form and correct technique, whether that's me or a mm-hmm. body double, you know, if that makes sense. Totally. So, yeah, I, I would say mm-hmm. I would do as much as I could, but also I'm not going to do something that uh, is going to not be believable. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something as simple as just like, you know, warming up and ballet shoes, like make it yeah. look right make it look correct. Totally. <laughs> yes. Cool. Fantastic. So let's rotten to Martin this. Let's rotten, rotten to Martin the black rotten swan. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. <laughs> All right. What do you think Black Swan has on Rotten Tomatoes? Mm, 93. Yeah, I was going to say 91. 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Uh, hey. The audience score is 84%. So, like, totally right on target wow. there. Bracingly intense, passionate, and wildly melodramatic, Black Swan glides on Darren Aronofsky's bold direction and a bravara performance from Natalie Portman. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. Uh, And what do you think this has on uh, Letterboxd? Again, this is one through five with decimal points. 3.9. It's 4.1. Ding, 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 ding. Good job. 
That's fun. Ding, <laughs> ding, ding. Uh, my favorite review is by email support Jamie. Uh, perfectionism is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that I wrote it immediately after. And then I was like, oh, I need to. I literally today was like, oh, right. I have to go in and put it in my leather box. But I guess I did because I'm trying to be better at it. You're already doing Look a great job. Past me. I'm so proud of past me. Woohoo. <laughs> All right. Should we do the four S's? <laughs> yes. Yeses. Scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. Okay, the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Um, we're going to do those one through ten. Skulls is how well this movie handled mental health and human behavior. Scares is how scary was it. And shakes is how much will this last with you? Is this a one and done? Will you keep watching it again and again? Um, uh, so, Jamie, let's start with you. What are your ratings? Yes, indeed. Um, for Skulls, I gave this a 7.5. Um, I thought nice. that it does a really good job at uh, like demonstrating the impact of perfectionism. I also thought it did a really good job at demonstrating like, you know, an, ad- an adult who's infantilized and enmeshed mother-daughter relationship. There were a lot of like relationship things sure. that I felt like were really effective and felt super real. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like a lot of, a lot of choices that I thought like Natalie Portman's character would make because of like what she is driven by. Um, so I, it, it felt very real and believable. Um, for scares, I gave this a four. Um, cause again, there aren't like too many jump scares in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most disturbing is the mom in her chair when she's masturbating and like the body horror stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, especially the fingernails. Um, that's the scariest thing. Uh, for shakes, I'm giving this, I gave it a seven. Um, I think this is a, a very memorable movie. Um, I, I, again, like I think that it's particularly impactful for me, not only because of the work that I do, but also as like a semi recovered perfectionist. And like, I really struggle with a lot of that as like a theme in my life. So like, Mm. it just, it's very, it just felt very like personal and like really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's going to like stick around in my brain for a while. Yeah. Uh, Nikisha, what about you? Yeah, mine are similar. Um, I have a seven for skulls. Because, uh, yeah, the people are peopling, I believe, in this. Uh, scares, I did a two just for the body horror and the nails. Ooh. And Shakes, I also gave it a seven um, because it's a very memorable movie. And I remembered a lot of it from even watching it uh, a couple years ago. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a good representation that's out uh, there. Mine's pretty similar as well. Eight, uh, eight three and seven. So nice. I, my seven, yes, as honestly, same exact reasons, um, mm-hmm. uh, for me. Um, but I'll start with my, uh, suggestions if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, go for it. I've had four suggestions. Just don't take mine. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. I won't. No, go, 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 I, go, 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 no, go, no. go. I'm going to leave the one off that I think you're going to do. 
Um, <clears throat> so if you want Natalie Portman, um, Box Lux, <laughs> definitely. If you want to see like Natalie Portman as full Black Swan, uh, watch Vox Lux. Ooh, yeah, uh, that's a great description. <laughs> and if you want her, um, if you want to see like a haunting performance, watch Jackie. Um, mm-hmm. I consider Jackie and Spencer by the same director, um, like in the horror canon, but on a very different end of the horror canon, if that makes sense. That's so interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and go see a chorus line. Oh, <sighs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't watch That's the movie. The movie one. stinks. Find a, like, a production slime. of it around you. <laughs> and wa- Yeah, slime tutorial. And watch or a Or watch line. what the, uh, a chorus line documentary from 2008. Yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> but I, I just think that it... That paired with this, it just shows what, like, a dancer goes through. And therefore, I think this is actually even more effective if you kind of have that, like, basis of that. And mm-hmm. I will save mm-hmm. my fourth one if nobody says it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jamie, go ahead. Um, so I have two. Uh, if you want another creepy movie that centers around, like, dance and ballet – um, Suspiria, mm. but I'll give my caveat that I have only seen the remake. I've not watched the original yet, so don't come for me. It's <laughs> on my to-do list. Um, but my other real suggestion that like I this movie is so good and I haven't watched it since college um, is Perfect Blue. Um, oh, that was, was that the one nice. that you had? Okay. <laughs> um, some people say like he Darren Aronofsky denies this. But uh, it's it's like very clearly influenced by Perfect Blue. It's an anime. Um, it's it's really fucking good. Uh, I highly recommend that movie if you like this movie. Nice. Um, my suggestion is perfection in the name is called the perfection so with mm. allison williams oh i and have not watched that movie but i know what it's about yes <laughs> it's super creepy um along the same lines of like drive and ambition and kind of the unreliable narrator but a little twisty thing it's very good. So the the perfection for me. Also, for shits and giggles, since we're throwing out a chorus line, center stage, baby. Sure, yeah. Center stage. Um, <laughs> the one that I thought someone was going to say, but no one did, um, and I actually think it's my number one suggestion to pair with this, is Starry Eyes. Oh! Mm. I haven't even thought That's about a that good movie. one. Body oh, horror, yeah. ambition, like mm-hmm. going from like this timid whatever to something a little bit more black swanny, like mm-hmm. creepy older men in powers of position and positions of power, excuse <laughs> me. Um, yes. Like that, that's, that's like all there. And a, and a powerhouse performance by Alex Esso in that. Yeah. Fantastic. All great suggestions. All right. Well, uh, that wraps up our episode of Black Swan. You can follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the TikTok, 
at Talk Horror Pod, P O D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, we're on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Hey. Hello. Uh, we are also uh, wherever you get your podcasts uh, on, in your earballs, uh, like Spotify and, of course, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. And thank you. Woo. <laughs> oh, wait, we, Nikisha. Yes. I, I I figured out why you had the fireworks. Can you make a can you make a heart with your oh. um hands? Let's see. Yay! <laughs> why does it only work on mine? Because it's an update on the um on the Mac. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, I yeah. didn't update mine yet. Woo-woo. Sparkle, sparkle. Amazing. <laughs> well. Fantastic. Okay, we'll end on that. Fireworks and, and hearts, guys. It was perfect. Thanks for listening. It was perfect. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yes. <laughs>